Um, it's interesting to, to think and to reflect and to meditate. And our culture doesn't allow us that kind of time. Our culture is a bang, bang, go, go culture. And um, I don't know about you. I don't know how you organize your days and stuff, but I've got a dear friend and colleague, uh, Joan Willett. She helps me organize my days. And uh, she's uh, really, really good about helping set priorities and times and dates and places. And, um, and, and, uh, and then I organize my days in the morning. Uh, usually a little after five o'clock, I sit in bed, kind of noodle around and think, okay, what do I have today? Okay, it's Sunday. Last night was the wedding. Today I've got to be to church by about, I don't know, 7.30, 8 o'clock. You're going to need two cups of coffee because you're up late. No donut, big guy, no donut. Protein day, eat a protein bar, you know. <laughs> and you just kind of kind of, lay out my whole day. And Usually I'm, I'm right on. I've been a pastor 25 years. I'm usually right on with, you know, what i got to do. And um, it's, it's very seldom anymore. And when you first get involved, you guys know if you're middle age, of course, I'm going to be 106, right, middle age. Um, you know that you, you become more and more accurate about how you use your time because you kind of see your time fleeting. And um, in our text today, especially from our gospel from Luke 10, we think about our time and how time either gets away from us or um, people talk about carving out time and uh, investing time and blah, blah, blah. Um, but there's a, an order to life between reflecting and doing, between dates and times and minutes and seconds and hours and all that stuff, and between living in this kind of eternal cosmic thing with, with God. And somewhere in the middle of him just going to sit here and live life like I don't have to do anything, and I'm all anxious and ramped up about all the stuff I got to do, somewhere in the middle of that for us at different times in our lives is um, that sweet spot. And uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about that a little bit today. The first uh, reading is from Genesis 18, 1 to 10. Marvelous, marvelous piece of God coming into time and space and saying, I got a plan and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work this plan. And you, Abraham, are going to be a big, big part of it. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may wash your feet. Then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried to the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seas of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to his servant who hurried to prepare it. Then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And the word of the Lord from Colossians chapter 1, speaking to God, working in community and drawing people together in Christ. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, 
without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which Christ is in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And our third reading, and the one our sermon's based on this morning, from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Throughout the Gospel of Luke, we've been working through this summer, you you have stories and vignettes, little pieces of life, and Jesus moving from here and there, we've got healings and casting out demons and teaching and conflict and and all sorts of stuff, and and now Jesus kind of gets to take a breather at Mary and Martha's home in Bethany, and he gets to kind of relax a little bit, and and I don't know about you, but um, it's just nice to be able to do that, to sit down and not have people asking you this and telling you that and blah, 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 blah. Sometimes it's nice to sit in the backyard with a cool glass of something cold and just kind of sit and talk about nothing. Fantasy football, the angels, uh, just, you know, everything. The Lakers, absolutely. Uh, that Ingram kid can play. Huh? That's awesome. <laughs> but uh, it's just nice not to be engaged. And I think our souls find refreshment in that to a point and And Jesus was more than likely looking for that when he sat down at Mary and Martha's home there in Bethany, put his feet up, hang out and do his thing, sitting with Mary on the couch. And uh, they're talking and and doing their thing. And and then you know how that goes, right? Martha's doing all the work. In our family, it's kind of funny how that works. I like to invite people over, and I do, I love. If I could have people over to our house every weekend and break out the barbecue or break out the smoker and feed them and do all that stuff, that would be just absolutely fa- I would love to do that. But I don't live alone. And, um, and my wife deals with all the logistical pieces of that. And if she doesn't, I won't. 
if she doesn't say, hey, how many people are coming? Where are they going to sit? Where do we need the chairs? And how's that going to go? And do you want tablecloths or not? And we're going to put candles and centerpieces. And what time are we going to eat? And where are you going to you use Chinette plates? Are you going to use our plates? Are you use good china? What are you, you going to do? And how's it going to go? And uh... So you've got the Mary, Pastor Tim, living in Never Never Land. And you've got Martha and Barb living in the real world. And those two pieces fit together beautifully when they're not at odds with one another. You know what that feels like. If you're the one sitting there, you, you know what those eyes look like when they look at you like, seriously, you're not going to help? And, and then it goes from that look to kind of this cold, I'm getting it done as best as I can. And you don't offer in your time of meditative state any suggestions about how things could go more smoothly or you'll get killed. It's not very smart to do that, fellas. And, uh, and, and, and then there's the, 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 the coldness that separates people when one is seemingly doing more than another one. And we know that feeling at work. We know that feeling in family. We know that feeling in friendships when it feels like we're kind of getting the short end of the stick and you're saying, but I do more work and we get paid the same. And how does, how does this how does this work? And so there's the Martha way and there's the Mary way. And the Martha way is that we got to get this done. The sooner the better. We'll get after it. It's the way we make our contribution to life. The Lord does not say that work is bad. He does not call Martha out and say, Martha, you're stupid and you're useless and this is bad. He called Martha to reflect and to think and to take a moment to see what was going on. It's amazing to me how much we identify ourselves with our work and the tasks that we do. Over and over again, we introduce ourselves by that. Over and over again on our business cards and stuff, say, this is who I am. This is what I'm all about. I wonder if you were to ask Martha that day, say, Martha, what are you? And she would say, I'm the owner of this house. I'm the one who's in charge of this party. I'm the one that has to make sure the food is ready and Jesus is taking care of and that everything's good. And man, I don't know about you, but I can identify with that just right down the line. There's tasks to do, there's people to see, there's time that we have to use in a way that's productive. And yet sometimes when we live in that extreme for a long time, like Jesus said to Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things. And the level of anxiety in our culture is surreal right now. When I meet together with other pastors and we talk on the phone and we Skype and we text message, they get up and they say, ever since uh, maybe the last year, year and a half, they say, when you stand up and speak in front of your people, they just suck the emotion and the affection out of you, craving a sense of peace because the world is both busy and dissonant. Busy in the fact that we've got so many tasks to do and we all have so much time to get them done. And you have to do this in your job and this with your children and this with your spouse and this just to kind of keep equilibrium. And then we begin talking about the tasks I have to do for me and myself. And, and then there's conflict and anxiety that arises in that because one is going this way and one is going the other. And you're saying, wow, I am worried and I upset. I'm anxious because of all the stuff I got to do. No one else is going to do it or no one else can do it but me. That's where Martha is in the story. That's where she is, anxious and 
upset. The list isn't going to get done in the right time to make sure the dinner comes off beautifully. And then there's the merry way. The merry way to do things, to reflect, to learn, to grow, to kind of tune out the tasks from time to time and just to sit down. And Jesus commends her for that. He says she has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. How you doing in that? We spend time in our lives figuring out who we are, the calling part of our lives, that young season of our lives. As young people graduate from college and go into the world, they're trying to figure out who they are and what they're called to do and be. And so they work and work and work and they fret and fret and fret and become more and more anxious. And finally, there's something that happens in their mid-30s and they kind of get locked into it and they go, yeah, this is who I am. I'm a child of God. These are my skills. This is what I do and this is what I'm all about and this is how this works and this is my identity and my calling. And then they move into this very productive part of their lives to, to their contribution in what they, who they are in Christ translates into what they do in Christ. And you go, 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 go. And when the tasks are disconnected from the calling, it's really, really hard to find meaning and purpose in life. And so those moments of reflection, of meditation, the moments of, of, of time we have in the Lord, sometimes in quiet, sometimes in prayer, sometimes in a place like this is huge. Because it ties our calling in Christ with our work and our contribution. You've chosen wisely this morning. I want to tell you that. You've chosen wisely to be in this place. And what is today, July 17th? There's a thousand other things you could do. And when I get home on Facebook, I look and I'm like, yeah, it should have been a church. They should have been a church. They should have been a church. They should have been a church. You know, the average Christian in North America goes, goes to church. The average person who calls himself faithful attends worship between 1.7 and 1.8 times a month. And they look and they say, you know, I'm faithful. And what I find in, in ministry and working in community is that the people who are maybe your 1.8 or your uh, 0.8 people have a level of stress and anxiety that is a whole different thing than your 3 out of 4, 4 out of 4 people. Part of that is being rooted in your identity in Christ and being brought back to the calling that you have in Jesus. The calling that, that Paul writes of in Colossians 1, that you are not foreigners and aliens, but in Christ you are drawn into the family of faith. God calls us together in the name of Jesus and, and reminds us that our, our sins are forgiven, that we stand with God and with other people and, and, and that just doesn't happen as we put our heads down and work. There's very seldom that your boss will come to you and say, you know, it's no big deal. Just stop your work and take an hour a day just to reflect and chill. You'll be okay. And so this gathering and the weekly interval of it becomes a powerful reinforcing piece where you begin to understand and be steeped in who you are in Christ and what your all about. You are children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are God's person. 
And to be gathered together in that weekly is to put the task with the identity. So your calling and your contribution fill your spirit, feed you in your life, rather than drain you all the time. The last piece of that is interesting too. He says, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. We understand our calling. We understand our contribution. And then when you get to be 50, it's kind of fun. Of course, I'm the oldest person in here this morning. I get that. Ain't it great being 50? No? Are you crazy? It's the best thing in the world. Our kids are gone, you guys. (laughs) Diapers and duty and formula and all that stuff. I couldn't raise a kid right now. It's too much work. But when you're young, you just do what you got to do. You got all this energy. Get Errol and Andy down here with Breck, man. I I love you dearly. I couldn't trade places with you. I have the energy to do it. I couldn't do it. When the baby would cry in the middle of the night, I'd give Barb the shove out and go, hey, I, you know, you got to get this done, Martha. Mary's going to lay in bed and sleep while you're getting it done, you know? And God gives you your children when you're young because you have the energy to take care of them. But when they grow up and do their thing, when they seek their calling, when they try to figure out their contribution, parents and, and grandparents, we're, we're beyond that stage of life. We figured out who we are in Christ And we're able to put our feet down and say, I know who I am and I know who God has made me to be. And I find joy and hope in that over 50 some years. And I'm cool with that. They go, why don't you get upset? You say, because I've been through this before and God drew me through it. So I'm good. And that stage is beautiful where you're reminded of the goodness of God who you are and what you do. And then with vitality and faith and experience and seasoning, we're able to be the the, the keepers of the faith in the community and in the family. And so the dad who holds the baby in church ultimately becomes the dad who sits with his son, remembering the tenderness of holding the baby in church but now being able to look into the eyes of his son and say, here's what it is to be a man. Powerful, isn't it? To be able in an anxious moment to be the presence of peace when everyone is worried and upset about everything, the lady in the workplace can step in and say, we've been through this before and God has seen us through and we're going to make it. And it's going to be okay. Join me in trusting the Lord for this. Somewhere between living in this ethereal Maryland and living in Marthaville is where you live every day. Reflect and meditate while you work and contribute. And watch the hand of God bring meaning and joy, purpose, to your life. And then God puts those milestones in our life that are just phenomenal, where we're worried and upset, and we kind of have our head down working, and, and, and then God says, lift up your eyes and see what I'm doing. Lift it up. Check it out. There's, there's more to life than what you think, big guy. 
We had one of those moments last night. My son's friends were uh, married out in Corona. And the reason why I scheduled myself in the e-service today was because I knew we'd be out late last night. And the 91 freeway was shut down for two lanes. And I wheeled around the 15 to the 91 at about 1130. And I thought, "Ah, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to get home. I'll be in bed by 12. And dead stop. And I'm like, oh, man. I got to preach on non-anxiety tomorrow, and here I'm going to kill somebody here on the 91. <laughs> Can I Skype from, you know, the San Bernardino County Jail if I serve any? I wish they'd get that work done. It's going to be great when it's done. Only sit in traffic 90 minutes instead of two hours. It'll be great. But the wedding last night was a reminder of the goodness of God. And God provides those moments couple is young, my son's age. Matter of fact, my son and uh, his girlfriend were the best man and the maid of honor. And it's kind of weird as a pastor. I've been a pastor 25 years and I've, you know, done, I don't know, Joan, how many weddings have we done? Probably 500. First time I ever looked at my son as the best man and said, can I have the rings? I started to cry. <laughs> it's part of getting old too, huh, Mark? You can, you, yeah, yeah. I looked at Jesse and I looked at Justin and if you look at my Facebook page you can see some of the pictures we took and in the midst of all the work in the midst of all the reflection there's this marvelous place of convergence where the worry and the anxiety of the age kind of melts away into the relationships that God has put in our lives that make all the difference in the You see, sometimes when we're so involved in the task, we lose sight of the people. And sometimes when we're of all this heavenly blah, 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 we become of no earthly use. And so God provides weddings and graduations and confirmations and baptisms and anniversaries and on and on and on to remind us of his goodness in our lives and the gift of God that we are one to another. So I just ask you to think about that this week, especially tomorrow as you lay in bed and you say, okay, oh, Pastor Tim said I got to think about this, but 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 8.30, 11 o'clock. Commend that work and those tasks to the Lord. Reflect a little bit on the goodness of God in your life and those tasks will become meaningful tied together in purpose and a blessing to you and to other people.